eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the State of Recruiting, a weekly podcast featuring the insights of Longhorn recruiting analyst Mike Roach and hosted by Bobby Burton. Roach offers unparalleled insight into recruiting on the 40 acres. Each week, Chris crosses the state watching and talking to blue chip recruits. And I'm Bobby Burton, a 1992 Texas grad and one of the recruiting industry's founding fathers. I played a formative role in the creation of both 24-7 Sports and Rivals.com. The state of recruiting is taped each and every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hook them. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm good, Bobby. How are you doing? Good. You uh, you on the road this past weekend a little bit, or up in Dallas? Uh, yeah, no, I, I pretty much stayed local last weekend, and we'll be staying local again this weekend. And local is Dallas for you, right? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think uh, the farthest I drove last weekend was about 45 to 50 minutes to go see Lancaster. Gotcha. How did the how did the running back uh, Trey was it Cavante Bradford? How did he look? Yeah, Trey Bradford was uh, pretty sensational. A lot of speed, a lot of burst. Um, as a guy that could really, you know, he's a one cut, find the open hole and explode through it and, and get going. He had a couple of uh, seventy plus yard touchdown runs in their win over the Colony. Anybody else at Lancaster you like? There's a lot of kids there. I'm just not sure they're they're really on the Texas level, and I think that they're going to have a couple of kids coming up as underclassmen in the next few years to keep an eye on. Um, an interesting one to me is their quarterback, who's a sophomore, uh, a bit on the small side, but extremely mobile and has a lot of arm talent. So interested to see you know where he ends up. Is he able to move the chains pretty easily? Yeah, he is. He's a little erratic throwing. He's got a bit of a gunslinger in him, but he kind of reminds me of uh, North Shore's quarterback, Demetrius Davis. I, I just hope he grows a little bit. Gotcha. So where's Trey Bradford, just uh, out of interest? Where is he? Where do you think he's headed? Uh, you know, early on it looked like Ohio State. I'm not sure they're going to be a take for him anymore. LSU, same deal. I, I think Wisconsin could be a take, or I think he's a kid that you could see waited out through the first signing day and see who comes at him between January and February. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe he's one of those guys that uh, circles back in case anybody anything happens with Texas and, and it's a pair of running back commits and uh, – uh, uh, B. John Robinson uh, and the young man up there in Dallas your way. Uh, so I, I think that what will be interesting 
uh, as is what exactly happens. We mentioned uh, the uh, the last couple of weeks. We've mentioned the problems that Texas could find itself in if uh, things go south this season, and things have kind of gone south. Uh, the horns are sitting at six and four, uh, and uh, the questions start surrounding the program. You know, who are the the recruits that are solid, and who are the ones that aren't? Um, and your repeated answer to to me, and in this podcast, has been, you look mostly to the out of state kids as ones that might be looking around. What about the in state? Any any in state kids that you're concerned with? I haven't heard much on the in state kids. I think that that group has kind of come together, and and um, the the group that's left and made, you know, as much of an effort to say, hey, we're we're sticking together on this. Um, I talked to Xavier Alford, the Shadow Creek safety, yesterday during his uh, his All American Bowl presentation, and he mentioned specifically that. That you know that the group has been talking about sticking together and the importance of uh, of of being a unit. So I, I haven't heard much from from the in-state commits on that. Um, you know, I'll talk to. Uh, I know Jaquin and Jackson's always been a worry for people. I'll see him this week and talk to him this week. So um, he's really kind of the last piece of the puzzle I haven't talked to yet. What about the uh, running back uh, in the Metroplex? Uh, Ty Jordan, yeah, I haven't heard anything on Ty Jordan. You know, I think he's mostly focused on the health problems his mom's going through, um, gotcha. and uh, haven't heard anything on him looking around yet. Can you can you go back over that for people unaware of that that situation? Yeah, uh, Ty's mom and Ty's been dealing with this for a while, and um, you know they put it out there. It's starting to become a story. I never wanted to. I, I've known about it for quite a while, but I, obviously that's a sensitive situation, and yeah. um, I never want to put something like that out unless the the family puts it out first. Um, but his mom's dealing, I, I think, a pretty advanced form of cancer. I think she's near stage four, um, and you know she's a single mother, works really hard. Um, you know, Ty is, is extremely close to her, and um, she's been dealing with that for a while. So, uh, you know, that's what Ty had to deal with along with his recruitment was dealing with his mom being really sick. And, um, you know, there were times that I would see him and, and he would be really happy, and there were times I'd see him and you could tell he was real withdrawn. And um, I'm sure it's incredibly difficult, as you know, to have a single mother and go through something like that. So um, it's starting to kind of come out now. There is like a GoFundMe for her that I, I tweeted out a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, there was some, some stories about a, a couple of, of uh, players from other teams praying with him on the field after games about his mom. That sucks. I mean, I, I think everybody in this world that's lived uh, 20 years has, has had someone uh, – near them or around them affected by cancer and and there's nothing that is uh scarier um than that and or uh debilitating i mean it just totally takes uh takes away uh, a lot of a lot of people and uh, so uh, i'm certainly want ty to know that uh for those of us that have personally seen those issues with with others close to them that uh i'm thinking about him so uh, I think that's uh, – I appreciate you keeping that, that private until he and his family decided to make it more public, but uh, certainly a difficult conversation to have. Uh, where are you headed this week uh, in, in recruiting, Mike? Uh, I will get to spend all three days at AT&T Stadium um, as there is a huge slate of games uh, and a lot with interest for me uh, all being played right down the road. I get to 
see them in climate control building, which is great because I've stood on some cold sidelines <laughs> the last couple weeks. Um, but Thursday night, uh, it's going to be Highland Park against Magnolia. So it'll be my first opportunity to see uh, Prince Dorba this season. I'm in, I you know, I kind of waited him out to the playoffs because I wanted to get some other guys in. And, you know, Highland Park's going to be in the playoffs, so you can wait them out. Um, and then Magnolia's got a, a 2021 offensive lineman who's really starting to pick up some steam, whose name is escaping me right now, but um, is – is really a guy I, Texas has been in contact. I think is is a guy that we could see uh, become a a target. Um, so I'm really interested to see him on Friday. Uh, the fourth there's a four thirty game, and I don't know you know if school's out on Friday. I don't know what the situation's going to be. Um, that's pretty early for parents and students, um, but we'll be able to see uh, Desoto versus South Lake Carroll uh, Friday at four thirty. So I'll I'll be able to see not only uh, Shamar Turner from Desoto, the 2021 uh, defensive end Texas offered, but Andre Carriage, the Texas commit at left tackle, and Quinn Ewers, the the South Lake Carroll quarterback, uh, who's a 2022 Texas offered as well uh friday night uh, i'll see allen versus rockwall uh eight o'clock and that's going to feature ohio state commit jackson smith uh jigba against uh allen's got twin receivers texas is offered uh bryson and blaine green so interested to see them as well and that's going to be just a good matchup overall and then saturday um we've got uh Geyer, Ditton Geyer and Cedar Hill start us off. Uh, Ditton Geyer has a corner I really like named Deuce Harmon I talked about earlier in the year. Uh, the midday game is going to be Duncanville versus Flower Mound. Of course, Duncanville with Jaquinda Jackson and Savion Bird. Uh, and Kendrick Blackshire, who won't play, but he'll be there. Those are all going to be uh, guys we want to see. And then the night ends with Braswell versus Red Oak. Not a lot going on in that game, although Braswell does have 2021 monster offensive tackle Eric Cade, who does have a Texas offer. I have no clue. You know, he doesn't talk at all, so I have no clue where, where things are with him at this point. So I'll catch up with him after that one. Gotcha. Um Mike, uh, switching gears here, and good luck. I, I remember going to, to the old Cowboy Stadium that was not climate-controlled uh, <laughs> on those w- winter, uh, uh, wintery uh, days. And I think that the issue, too, back then was I would go to the, the press box and try to get warm, but then I wanted to get on the field to see the kids and, and that sort of thing. And the, the trip between the field and the press box, you had to go – out through this little corridor and i tell you the wind sometimes it felt like it was going through you uh on the way up there so i i definitely would uh i think i would enjoy the climate control uh, a little bit better i always enjoyed the astrodome actually better than uh than uh, Cowboy Stadium back in the day because of that very fact. Oh, yeah. Texas, I, yeah. I grew up at going to games at Texas Stadium, and it was awful. Like, if it was cold, there's a hole in the roof, and, um, you know, wind channels through all those tunnels at the end, and you just couldn't find a place that was warm inside there. Yeah, tell me about <laughs> it. I watched the, uh, the uh, Abilene Cooper Austin Westlake State Championship. I watched the first half from the press box in the second half from the the field and uh yeah not uh, not a great not a it was a great game not a great experience uh, weather right. yeah exactly <laughs> drew Brees, by the way uh led the uh chaparrales to a uh, state championship that year all right um mike uh any updates uh 
as far as recruiting is concerned on a couple of the guys that we know? Anything on Alfred Collins, the defense in – Defensive end out of uh, out of Bastrop of late. Yeah, I mean, there cont- there's been some Oklahoma buzz. I talked about it this week in the Stampede. Um, and it's enough to where I'm hearing it from enough different places and from enough people that I trust to consider it a real thing. Um, I still feel that Texas is in the pole position for Alfred Collins. I think that they've just got the longer relationship. I think mom's going to be a little more comfortable. But, you know, that all depends, too, on the way the season ends again and, um, you know, any staff shakeups that may happen or, or anything like that. Um, I, it is enough to be where I don't see it as as much of a, a shoe-in for, for Alfred to land at Texas anymore. Um, I, I think that Lincoln Riley and his staff have done a tremendous job really coming on late uh, for Alfred. And Texas is going to have to fight this one out um, if they want to win it. Gotcha. That's that's a, a difficult conversation, right? Um, anything else that uh, is is pressing right now, in your your opinion? Um, outside of that, you know, they uh, they're still monitoring Jaquandis Burns, the linebacker from IMG Academy, visited Utah uh, last week after visiting Texas. I, I continue to hear Texas did an amazing job on his official. Um, his mom would love for him to be in Texas, um, where he's originally from. And, and everything like that, but um, you know, he, he visited Utah. I think he's still got an official upcoming to Ole Miss, where he's currently committed. So that one's going to take a little bit of time to shake out. Other than that, not a ton new. I think you know what we'll see is Texas maybe reload um, their board going into uh, the early signing period try to get as much of their class signed as possible, which I believe most, if not all, are going to sign early. Uh, the only guys I need to really verify with are, are Bijan Robinson and Van Fillinger, the out-of-state guys. Um, but I, I believe they'll try to reload after that and then maybe you know look up after signing day and say, okay, who's left, and, and let's recalibrate and go finish out this class with what we need. Interesting. So basically take a wait-and-see attitude a little bit to, to see what the real needs are. Um, and, and, you know, maybe by recalibrating, you also see if there's any additional attrition uh, in the portal of that during the offseason as well. Um, you know, for daily updates uh, from Mike and uh, uh, the rest of the uh, Horns 24-7 staff, please log on and give us a try at horns247.com if for whatever reason you're not already subscribed and getting the updates. Uh, Mike, in, in my opinion, is the best in the business at at knowing exactly what's going on and communicating it uh, to uh, Texas fans when it comes to recruiting. Uh, Mike, let's, let's uh, go a little different way. And, and you and I talked about this in the uh, uh, outset, and that was I wanted to ask you – or we talked about it off, off, uh, off mic. I wanted to ask you who are the three Texas commits currently that you think are – too much under the radar either underrated people aren't talking about them enough uh, what are your thoughts yeah um the first guy I'll, I'll go with is jared thompson and it's hard to really make a claim that jared's underranked or anything like that but um you know he is a four-star he is a, a top 200 prospect nationally on the 24 7 sports composite yet he's really a guy you never hear texas fans get excited about or anyone really talk about i think jared thompson is a guy that fits well as a big 12 safety because of kind of the way his style of play. He's physical, yet he's athletic in the middle of the field. 
Um, he, he's, he's instinctual. I think he can play any of the three safety positions, including nickel. Um, really a guy. How well, how well does he run? Uh, on film, you know, I don't have verified times for him outside of a, he's, you know, he had a four six one forty in twenty eighteen at an opening. Um, I okay. don't believe he competed at the opening regional last year, uh, or, or I'm sorry, this year. So um, we don't have any updated times on him. But a four six one is a junior or a sophomore going to be a junior on the lasers is pretty strong. Um, I, I think for me, he's probably, you know, Texas kind of had to fall into Jaron Thompson, which is crazy um, because they missed on some other safety targets. But to me, Jaron Thompson is, is a quality take and a, I think a guy that fits very well within this team. Um, he's going to remind you a little bit of a, a of Caden Stearns. I think same type of um, same type of work ethic, same type of play style, same type of uh, ability to see and jump the ball. Um, that's that's really who he reminds me of. Um, and he's out of Lufkin, correct? That's correct. Which I was really hoping to see uh, in the playoffs, and I didn't get to see him this year. And I was like, well, Lufkin's in like the number four team in the state. Surely I'll see him in the playoffs. No, they got upset in round one for the second year in a row. Um, so I won't won't get to see him at the high school level. All right, number two. Uh, number two is uh, one of the newer Texas commits, and that's Dejon Harrison from Hutto. Um, I, I don't want to go crazy with where I think his potential can be, um, but right now uh, we have him ranked as, uh, you know, he's he's around number 100 and 106 in the state of Texas on the 24-7 composite. He's 784 nationally. I think that Dejon Harrison has speed and explosiveness that you can't teach and, and that you that people covet. Um, I wish he had some more. I think what's holding him back is he really – you can see it on film, but he really doesn't have any recorded times to go off of. Um, and I think that's really what's holding his ranking back. But – I think he's a, a tremendous uh, receiver prospect and uh, really a dark horse corner prospect because of that explosiveness and how quick and, and good his feet are. Um, so I, I would say Dejon Harrison's probably my number two on that list. Okay. Uh, three? Three is – it's tough. There, there's a couple guys at the bottom of the list I would consider. Um, I'm going to go with Andre Karich, uh, the offensive tackle from South Lake. I think that Texas fans – rightly appreciate him i think that 24 7 sports evaluators got it right when they bumped him up to a a four star a mid four star last uh, a couple weeks ago uh, he is now a top 175 player in the country and top 25 player in texas on our rankings uh the other services have not caught up yet and that's where i, I find him to be underranked and underrated um he is uh number 315 nationally on the composite which which you know factors in a, a bunch of the other recruiting services. Uh, Andre Carriage to me is probably the best offensive lineman in this class for Texas. Um, when you look at as far as athleticism, projectability, and skill right now, um, he has kind of everything you want in, from that aspect. Uh, I think there are some things that I can talk about after signing day um, that held his ranking down for a bit. Um, I don't want to get into them until I kind of do my tell-all after signing day, but um, I think now is the time for people to start buying on Andre Carriage, and I think he is a guy that is probably when it's all said and done, and I it will you know our our evaluators will get a chance to see him up close at the All American Bowl. Um, I think when all is said and done, could be a top fifteen player in the state of Texas. Interesting, fifteen or fifty? Fifteen. Oh, nice. 
That's uh, that is definitely higher than current ranking. Um, okay, I, I think those are, are three interesting ones. I, I've been doing some thinking too, and and here are the three that I came up with, and, and why I came up with them. Van Fillinger, the the defensive lineman out of Utah. Um, I just think that he's a guy that Texas fans don't always remember. It's not necessarily that he's not ranked highly. Um, I, I just think that he is one of those guys that you look up uh, a year from now, two years from now, and he ends up starting three years for you. And at, at that level, uh, I think that, that it's at that point where I think he's underrated or undervalued uh, more than anything. Uh, I still um, am extremely uh, high also on uh, Prince Dorba. Uh, you mentioned him. Again, he's highly rated. But I think he's undervalued. Joe Joe Osai was highly rated, but I think he was undervalued, if that makes sense. Um, not saying he's as big as uh, Osai, but I think he's a more natural pass rusher than Joseph uh, was. So that would be my second one. And the last one is Logan Parr. I actually think Logan Parr is gonna, uh, you know, not a not a high profile guy, kind of like Derek Kerstetter, both out of San Antonio who is probably a better player, not elite size-wise, not elite this, not elite that, but a good, good solid player that had uh, scholarship offers from around the, around the Big 12. Those are the three that I would pick. Uh, and certainly, uh, uh, you know, a guy like Dorba is not, gonna, not going to be on anybody's underranked list, but uh, one that I think is still undervalued. Yeah, uh, just so on that, I think Logan Parr is, I mean, he was certainly in consideration for me, um, has been probably the most solid player I've seen all year. Every time I've seen him, he's just, he's he's never exceptional, but he never loses. I've never seen him really lose a battle or, or cost his team anything. So uh, to me, probably the highest floor in the class is Logan Parr. I would also say that about Jake Majors. I think Jake Majors took a hit this summer at the opening when when people saw him go one-on-one outside of pads with some people who are much bigger than him. Go watch that kid in pads and tell me you know, that he can't play at the next level. That is all I'd say. So, Sorry, Bobby. Go ahead. No, I think that's great. Good feedback. I mean, I think that's what uh, that's what you're there for. All right, so we did something a little new this week. Mike uh, took it upon himself to to create what we're calling the mailbag for recruiting, and uh, we opened Mike opened it up to questions on the message board from fans, and uh, now we're going to take a few of them. Mike, you want to go ahead? You got the list? Yeah, I've got got them here, and obviously, you know, we've got a bunch of questions on the thread. I could, we're only going to be able to get to a couple of them, so if we don't, don't get to them, maybe we, we'll get to them in a future episode. Um, the first question comes from our user, Back to the Top UT. Uh, he, he wants a Bijan Robinson update, given his recent comments. Um, so for anyone who didn't see them, uh, the Athletic, a writer from uh, Ohio State, and who reports for the Athletic, traveled to Tucson to talk to Bijan um, and really kind of get the lowdown on his recruitment. Bijan, you know, mentioned in that article that he doesn't really talk to people on the phone or, or reporters, which I can attest to. It's uh, as pleasant as the young man is in person. It's it's very difficult getting in contact with him or people around him uh, when you're not standing next to him. Um, but he basically said it would take something incredibly drastic for him to move off of his recruitment to Texas. And, um, you know, he, he mentioned it would have to take something like Tom Herman getting fired or, or something like that, which is great. I think Texas fans wanted to hear that news. Um, 
how much do I believe it? I, I would say probably 70% of me believes it. 30% of me has seen kids say a lot of things knowing they fully intend to to decommit and move around. I think with Bijan right now, I, I put him in my high confidence, but he's right there on the border between high and medium. Um, and, and it's really a week-to-week thing. Is, is, you know, if Tex, as Texas struggles and as Texas struggles to run the ball, I think that that's that stands out and it gives other schools like Ohio state ammo to use against Texas in this recruitment. They've got to work on him. Like he, you know, as soon as the season ends, his in home is going to be really important. If they could get him down for an unofficial visit, that would be great. Um, but you know, they've really got to work on him. Like he is the biggest priority in this class. Cause he is what Mike quickly He's. I'm assuming uh, his team is deep. Is going to go deep into the playoffs. Yeah, but uh, deep into the playoffs I mean, in Arizona. Is... Arizona only means like three weeks. Like their their playoffs are, are incredibly short. Um, but but still, but still, that could be the first week of January. All right, first week of December and signing day, early signing day, is the second. Week yeah, of December, I think right? so, I think this week is the third round. Next week, state championships in Arizona. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so he'd have two weeks to kind of reconsider and or wait until uh, February signing period. Uh, what's the next one, Mike? All right, our next question uh, comes from Robert Cook ninety one. He says, "Do you think a lot of the twenty twenty one commits or potential commits, such as uh, the Brockmeyer twins, would bolt if there was a large turnover in the assistant coaches after this season?" Um, also, do you think that 2020 signees would be at risk for going into the portal if the assistants that recruited them are let go after signing day? That's always a concern. I think it holds bad co- I think it allows bad coaches to hold teams hostage um, from time to time. And sometimes you've just got to bite the bullet. And if you think that moving on from a coach is going to make your team and your staff better, you just got to do it and, and hope you can sell the recruit on it. Um, I don't. I think there's enough time with 2021. Uh, depending on who the assistant was, if they moved away from them, that it, it wouldn't be a concern. You might see some 2020 signees go into the portal. That always is, you know, being a new factor in, in football, it's it's still very hard to say. You know, it's it seems just real easy anymore to go into the portal. So um, I, I don't think we even have it pegged, you know, when you can look out for potential warning signs that a guy's going in fully. Um, but I think that, you know, if you feel that it's going to make your team or your, or, or your staff better, you just have to kind of do it. Let me take one part of that, Mike. I absolutely think that um, there will pe- be people from the 2020 class or 2019 class that go into the portal. I don't I would I would be shocked if there aren't. Uh, I just think it's a new day and age of college football. It's not necessarily a Texas specific situation. I just think that is the way of the world as we move forward. So that's number one. The second piece is um, what player – I just want to try to make my point this way. What player do you think is – what one player is indisposable on the Texas team right now? Um, and I'm asking you. Sam Ellinger. Okay. Did the coaching change affect him? Probably not. Okay. So let me go even further. Let's talk about a national championship. What was the one player that affected that team? Of, of all of them. There were a lot of great ones. Of so. uh, Vince Young. Okay. So Vince Young absolutely was affected by that. If Tim Brewster wouldn't have been at Texas or would have gone before signing day, Vince Young likely doesn't end up at Texas. Um, I think it's situational. 
and I think it depends on the player. I think it is rare of 25 signees over a four-year period that Texas has had, so say 100 kids, there's only one where you even would have thought of, okay, that guy's indispensable, okay? And that's Ellinger, and even he didn't didn't matter. Whereas, you know, with, with uh, Vince Young, it actually did. And I don't know how many people re- realize this, but two months after Vince signed with Texas, Tim Brewster, who recruited him, moved on to the NFL. So Brew was never actually at Texas when, when Vince was there. So I think that people have to understand that the idea that assistant coaches hold this enormous sway over recruits, it, it can be true, but the impact of that sway is questionable because even if it's five recruits, there's still likely only going to be 40% of those guys that ever start, so two of the five will ever start for you. That's just the, the, the way of the world with numbers. So I agree with you that uh, it's, a, it's somewhat of a myth, uh, Mike, in, in that regard. What, what else you got for us? One, one more question, and then we'll, we'll have to call it. Yeah, our last question from Adrian Nose said, is Texas still in contact with Johnny Wilson, the wide receiver out of Calabasas? Uh, who's your favorite commit in this class, and what is your favorite high school stadium? Uh, Johnny Wilson, I, last I know, Texas was still trying, um, but you know he committed to Oregon. Oregon is in the playoff race. Uh, from what I understand, he is not listening at really at this point. Um, you know, when you ask me favorite recruits, I, I would say it, it depends on what you're asking um is it you know the recruit i've enjoyed getting to know the most i would probably say jake majors logan parr and vernon broughton fall into that category um those are guys that that have been incredibly awesome to get to know and and they're just great kids is it you know somebody i've enjoyed watching play i mean Bijan robinson has been one of the best players i've ever seen in my life i'm gonna go with jaquindon jackson um and here's the test Usually, um, you know, if you're if you like a kid, I think personally, um, you tend to to maybe uh, you like watching him play more than anything. And um, I'll tell you this, Jaquindon and I have come a long way in our relationship. But when I first met him, uh, he wasn't the easiest person to get along with or deal with. Yet, I still marveled watching him play every time. The first time I saw him play as a sophomore. I called uh, I called somebody and said, this Jaquinta Jackson kid is going to be a monster. And you could just see it then. And he was a skinny little quarterback that looked like he may be a slot receiver. Now he's turned into basically a, a almost a Cam Newton type of body, except, you know, he just doesn't have quite the height. Um, Jaquinta Jackson, to me, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder how his development's going to go in college. I think that's going to be big. I think that He's a guy that could really go boom or bust, but to me is probably among the, the probably in the Mount Rushmore of the most talented pure football players I've ever seen play at the high school level. I'm I'm thinking I've got Duncanville pegged for a state run. I hope I get to see a, another magical run before Jaquindon leaves. Oh, and my favorite stadium, um, it's a tie. Mansfield's uh, Vernon Newsom Stadium is probably one of my favorite places to watch a game. Um, but Mesquite Memorial uh, Stadium is where they treat you the best in the media and is not a bad place to watch either. So uh, it's a tie between those two. Uh, okay. I've got to go with my favorite Texas football stadium. Is It's not even in question, and that's that's in Jacksonville, Texas, and it's called the Tomato, the tomato Bowl. Bowl. It's refurbished now. Uh, uh, has it really They been? remodeled when, it this year, they, yeah. 
uh, it still has the stone outside, right? Around the yeah, yeah. Bench. They just remodeled okay. the inside. Yeah, that's. I so when I first got into college football recruiting back in the uh, late '80s, early '90s, um, I uh, one of the first places I went actually was to see uh, the McEwen brothers. One of the McEwens, I can't even remember which, or McCown brothers, at uh, Jacksonville. And I guess it would have been mid-90s. And I went to that stadium, and that's the first time I'd ever seen it. I was just I was in awe from that day forward. And then it reminded me so much, and this will, if people have ever been to old Notre Dame Stadium back in the day, uh, before it's been, it was turned into a megaplex uh, up at, in South Bend, Indiana. That's what it kind of reminded me of. It had that old-timey, 1920s architectural feel that was just uh, really kind of cool and, and to this day is uh, sticks in my mind as uh, one of the shrines to, to Texas high school football. Um, I, Mike, I, I love your take on uh, Jaquindon Jackson. Um, I really do because uh, here, here's the, the issue with, with guys like him and – he brings his team to a different level. That's what I saw in the state championship game. I saw a guy that was unwilling to let his team, you know, really go down. Yeah, they eventually lost on a, on a Hail Mary, but I'm telling you, I thought that he had a force of will that he displayed um, that was as impressive as you're going to see uh, that doesn't mean he'll end up being a great college quarterback because he may not have the arm and because ultimately he's going to be playing against better athletes uh, than he does in, in high school. Um, but I, I, it's like I said, I feel like it was a force of will, you know, and for that, uh, more power to him and, and to, to your selection. He, uh, he elevates the guys around him in a way that, that you see people talk about uh, guys who are special at college and the pro level, guys like Vince Young who elevated the guys around him. That's what Jaquinta Jackson does, and I've seen him do it not just in state title games, but in like week four games when when they come out flat. He's the he's the alpha. He is unquestionably the best player on the field every time he steps on it, and probably uh, I'll tell my I'll be happy to tell my kids and grandkids about him one day. First time I, I got to say this because there's one other, there's a couple other players that I've seen in my days that are like that, and one of them was Vince Young, and I'll never forget my one of my first experiences with Vince Young. Um, actually, not one of my first, but like fourth or fifth time I'd seen Vince was his early in his senior year, and back then I would go to two games on Thursday night. One I would watch the first half at Del Mar, and then the second half at Butler Stadium in in Houston, and just travel between them to see four teams in a single night. Well, one time I, I actually went uh, and I decided to go to m- see Madison for the second half of a Thursday night game. By the time I got there, it was 50 to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw Vince, all I saw Vince Young do that night, literally, was on the very first kickoff of the second, ha- second half, he raised both his arms and flagged the 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 uh, kickoff team. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> he he was on he was on the sideline the rest. And of then the he night. took off his pads. But, <laughs> <laughs> it was over. But my point being is that that was that was that that guy for me back in back in the day. So all right, Mike, I appreciate you. Thanks for your time. Just a reminder, everybody, this is the state of recruiting. Uh, 
and we're listening to Mike Roach. Mike offers unparalleled insight into recruiting on the 40 acres. Each week, he crisscrosses the state watching and talking to blue chip recruits, and we're fortunate to have him. The State of Recruiting is taped each and every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.